Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who have transformed their lives since 2016 and are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, and generally stepping outside of their comfort zones. I hope their stories will inspire you to take action on your own. Head on over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. This week's episode goes local with Gordon Hare, chairman of the Democratic Committee in Southampton, New York, and member of the Board of Elections in Suffolk County, Long Island. Gordon demystifies the voting process for us and will help put your mind at ease about voting during a pandemic in this most crucial of elections by telling us everything we need to know about absentee ballots, early voting, and more. New Yorkers, this one's for you, but there's plenty for others too, as Gordon and I talk about standardizing the voting process at the federal level, why to get involved in your local Democratic committee, and how local government is where it's at for fixing our democracy from the bottom up. And now, here's my conversation with Gordon Hare. Gordon Hare, welcome to New Faces of Democracy. Nancy, thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. So, Gordon, you are very involved in local democratic politics. Can you tell me and our listeners exactly what you do and where you do it? I'll go back a little bit. And that basically what happened was that I moved out here from the city about 14 years ago, expecting to be here for a year or two. When you say here, where is here? In Southampton, on the East End. Right, Long Island. Wanted to get away from the city. I was going through a divorce and decided that I needed to be out of the city. And a couple of weeks after I arrived here, I happened to be at a function where Tim Bishop was speaking. And Tim used to be our congressman, if you might remember, in CD1. So I I chatted with Tim afterwards and I said, look, I'd like to get involved with the Democratic Party. And he said, well, I don't know who's the new chair. There's been a new election. And he thinks it's such and such a name. So I managed to trace him down. And the Southampton Town Democratic Party hadn't been very successful in the past. And we had very few successes when it came to electing people to the town board and appointed boards. We were the minority in terms of the number of Democrats in the town compared with the Republicans. So I traced down the new chair. And I introduced myself and I said, look, I'd like to get involved. And he said, please. And so the next 18 months, we started building up the party and having events and trying to bring new people in. And then he decided to retire. And then I became the chair. And this is a very good friend of mine. And he's a wonderful, wonderful person. But that's the only time he ever lied to me. Because I said to Mike, how much time is involved in doing this? And he said, a couple of hours a week, not a problem. Well, this is a full-time 24-hour job, which is unpaid. (laughs) But it's really got tremendous rewards in terms of the fact that we really are doing good work and we're doing the right thing. And so I've been the chair of the party. I've just been re-elected chair. So I think I'm going into my fifth term and we've just been able to grow the party. And so that's how it started. Very serendipitous. But you don't have the accent of a typical Long Islander. There's something else going on there. Where are you from? When people ask me where I'm from, I generally say South Africa, because I tend to identify with cities more than with countries. And I regard myself as a Cape Townian and a New Yorker. But if you had to ask me where I was born, I would tell you I was born in what was then Northern Rhodesia, 
which is now Zambia in Central Africa, spent two years at school in Zimbabwe, and then university in Cape Town. So in fact, I'm writing a book, which is called From the Bush to the Beaches, about my journey from the bushes of Africa to the beaches of Long Island. And so I take it you're now a US citizen and you vote here. Would you like to hear that story? <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> but is the answer yes? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. And you also do something at the Board of Elections. What is your role there? I work in the commissioner's office. And just to be clear, I'm speaking about the Board of Elections in Suffolk County, which is where Southampton is located. Correct. So, okay, well, let's get into the nitty gritty because there's a lot of anxiety this year about voting. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast due to the pandemic and due to the tremendous importance of this election, it's kind of creating a perfect storm of absentee ballots, I imagine, that the Board of Elections is getting ready to deal with. So would you mind sort of walking us through step by step what happens to an absentee ballot? So the first thing, we'll start with just, let's assume they've requested it, it's showed up in the mail, they fill it out, then they have to sign it. Do they need a witness in New York? No, and they're not signing the ballots. They're simply voting on the ballots. Then the ballot's inserted into this official envelope and they seal it. And it's the envelope which is signed and dated. Now, they don't need a witness in New York State, but there is a line for witness, which could be a bit confusing because it means that if the voter cannot sign for some reason, they can put a mark and then a witness will swear that that is the signature of the voter. That clears the witness thing up because I did look at that. I opened my absentee ballot today and looked at it in preparation for this. And every time I get a little confused. Okay, so what are the different ways to return a ballot this year? Obviously, the first thing you can do is put it back in the mail and send it back to the Board of Elections. Does it need a stamp? It does. And that is also could be confusing because unfortunately, once again, there are all these little details which they're not thought of to the very last degree. So unfortunately, there should have been a note which says, put on one stamp. One stamp will be sufficient, which it is, because the Board of Elections has an arrangement with the Postal Service that as long as there's a stamp on the envelope, it will be returned to the Board of Elections. But if one takes the mailing envelope into your local post office, you'll be told that you need an extra 15 cents. And so some people, once again, are confused. Some people, it's not that they're concerned about paying the extra 15 cents, that they're not sure what to do. So a single stamp is sufficient. Because I Googled it and other reputable places say put two stamps on. So I think... That's good to know. One stamp does it. We've had 100,000 ballots returned all with one stamp. So, okay, number one by mail, people can return it. That's number one. Number two, if you don't want to put it in the mail, you can deliver it or have someone else deliver it because other people can deliver your ballots as well, as long as it's sealed and signed and dated by the voter. So it can be delivered to the Board of Elections in Yapang between business hours, so 9 a.m. to 4.30. And they would have to literally go into the building at the reception area where there will be two people, a Republican and a Democrat, who will be sitting at the front desk, and they will be handed the ballot and will be clocked in. 
and then it'll be taken over to the absentee ballot department where they will sort it at some point and at some point will be opened. But before that, based on new regulations and new laws this year, we are allowed to examine the envelope so that the voter can rectify any errors. So for example, if the voter forgets to sign the envelope or forgets to date it, a letter will go out to those voters to say, you have missed something, you need to amend it. So even if you don't go in person, no matter what, it will get examined and they will reach out to you via, if you've put your email address down or something like that? It won't be by email. It'll be by mail. By regular mail. So you may or may not get that before the election. So make sure you do it right. <laughs> it's very clear on the envelope. But then if you looked at yours, there's a big box. Yes, it is. It is clear. And it's but I'm telling you, people aren't thinking straight this year when it comes to the ballots. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that piece of paper. Okay, so that's number two. Number two, it can be dropped off at any of the early voting locations in Suffolk County. Once again, there are no drop boxes in the county, but somebody could take it into one of the early voting locations, doesn't have to stand online and find the inspector or the coordinator who's an employee of the board of election, a poll worker, and that person will then take the ballot or will instruct the voter where to place the ballot. So that's number two. And that can be done October 24th through November 1st at any of the 12 locations in the county during the hours that they open, which are different hours depending on the day. And early voting, by the way, Nancy, is the way to go. As far as I'm concerned, we should all vote early if we can. Why do you say that? Well, because as Democrats, we want to have a huge turnout and a huge result for Joe Biden and the other Democrats on election night. And unfortunately, with the huge number of absentee ballots, that won't happen on election night. So the more people who vote in person in early voting or on November 3rd, the better we will have in terms of being able to say this is a landslide. We want to be so positive and so overwhelming that the Republicans can't turn around and question the validity of that election. I agree. So basically, if you don't have, if you're not extremely worried because you have an underlying condition or you are elderly, you should consider going in person. Make that your priority. And I can't say what's going to happen this year because this is the first year we've had early voting for a presidential. But early voting is generally much less busy than election day. And they're two weekends. It's going to be interesting. And then the third way is that the ballot can be dropped off at any polling location on November 3rd. Once again, no standing in line. Simply walk in, locate an inspector, and hand your ballot to the inspector. Does it make a difference if someone's deciding whether to mail it in versus put it in a drop box? I take it the drop box is better because that's leaving out the postal service. But they're not drop boxes. Oh, I'm sorry. Not a drop, but handing it to the inspector at a polling place. Yes. The post office, with everything that's gone on, has been remarkably efficient. So I'm hoping, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country, but in Suffolk County, there really hasn't been too many problems that we can identify. That's good. But it's still better to hand it in person 
I mean, because I know everyone's saying, as soon as you get your absentee ballot, send it in. But I'm thinking, well, actually, I plan to vote in person. But if I were going to do an absentee ballot, I would probably go to a polling location because that just cuts out the uncertainty of the Postal Service with everything that we've been hearing in the news about Trump. Exactly. And honestly, the other thing which people don't realize is that the Board of Election employees and the poll workers are really dedicated to making sure that the process works. And the Board of Elections is a completely bipartisan organization. It's nonpartisan, should I say, or bipartisan. There are equal number of Democrats, Republicans working there. Everyone gets along, I hope. Yes, everyone gets along. <laughs> okay. If you do mail it in, when does it need to arrive by to be counted? By when does it need to get in? Well, it's got to be postmarked by November 3rd. So postmarked by Election Day. But say it gets held up in the mail, is there a drop-dead date? It has to be received by November 10th. Have you started counting yet? Or when do you do that? Counting? Yeah, like tabulating the votes that come in by the... You said you've already received 100,000 absentee ballots. As I mentioned, the envelopes aren't opened until after Election Day. The envelopes are examined for any errors. This is for the first time. But we're not going to start opening... That's why I'm saying, vote early if you can, vote in person if you can, because it's going to take a while. And is it that way throughout New York State? Same rules apply throughout the state? Okay, very good to know. Are there any other ways that the Board of Elections has prepared for this, what's sure to be a deluge of mail coming in? Well, they are fully staffed, unlike at the primary, which was very difficult. They are fully staffed, plus they have hired temporary workers. And not only temporary workers, but people who had been at the Board of Elections before and have retired. So people who are very experienced and have a lot of knowledge about the system. And so everyone is working very hard. And there are a lot more people there. So there's, I don't know the numbers, but we have many, many more people there than the usual. I think there is, I think, 120 permanent staff. And there are many, many more now. How many people normally vote in this county for a presidential election? I mean, Not too many. Probably like 40%. In the whole town, in the whole county, we have a million voters. So you've already received 100,000 ballots. That's not insignificant. That's 10% of the voting population. It's enormous. So you're going to start counting right after starting November 4th? Is that it? You know, in the past, we've actually had to wait until the deadline for ballots to come in, which would be November 10th. But because of the change in the election law and the governor's executive orders, I believe we can start opening the ballots early. And so that will certainly help. Yes, that's good. Plus, we also have tabulators now for the actual ballots, which we never had before. Previously, the ballots were hand-tallied. Oh, so it should be relatively quick. Like, how long does it take? for tabulators to go through 200,000 ballots. I mean, is that a couple of days? No, it's going to be longer than that. So it'll be a while. Yeah, it'll be a while. And that depends whether we open all the envelopes before that. I see. If all the envelopes are open and everything's ready to go, fine. But there might be situations where we can't open the envelopes for whatever reason, because sometimes absentee ballots are challenged by the opposing party. Yes, I understand. 
So what about in-person voting? Is the Board of Elections doing anything differently this year? There's all kinds of talk of, I don't know if this would be the case in Suffolk County, but in other parts of the country, Trump is encouraging people, Republican, quote, poll watchers or whatever he calls them, to come cause trouble at polls. Are you anticipating anything like that? Are you doing anything in advance? Well, I think you should break the question down to what the Board of Elections is doing and what the various campaigns and what the Democratic committees are doing. So when it comes to Board of Elections, the one thing that is different this year, which is a wonderful sign, is that there are a lot more younger people who have signed up to become poll workers. And we have all the polling locations open, whereas in the primary we had to consolidate polling locations because we didn't have enough poll workers. So now they're all going to be available. They're all going to be set up. We have poll workers at all the locations. Now we have early voting as well. So the board, and also, I'm not sure if people realize this, but on election day itself, there are board of election employees who are assigned to particular towns. And there might be more than one. And that person has a patrol car, the police car, which drives around. So if we get a call from a particular polling location, either there's a technical issue or political issue, people are electioneering or something's going on, they will get a visit from a patrol car with a board of election employee. And, you know, that's pretty substantial. So is it true that New York State is one of only, I believe, a very few states that allows you to vote in person if you've already sent in an absentee ballot and then that negates your absentee ballot or overrides, rather, your absentee ballot? Yeah, voting in person always takes precedence. So even if you have sent in your absentee ballot and you decide to vote in person, that will be recorded as such. Your absentee ballot will not count. And now that everything is electronic, it's very easy to check if someone has voted in person or not. And I forgot to ask you, just back to the absentee ballot for a second, the signatures, you have to compare those to what's on file. How laborious a process is that? It's pretty laborious. But once again, at the same time, if you look at the Board of Elections data, if you go into a particular voter and the signature comes up, it's compared. It's generally a very quick situation. Now, once again, there's a Republican and a Democrat comparing the signature. Somebody might object, but I will tell you that in order for an absentee ballot to be disqualified by a signature or something like that, it has to be agreed on by each commissioner, by both commissioners. And in the 15 years that the Democratic commissioner has been there, she has never, ever disqualified an absentee ballot because of a signature that doesn't look quite like the one that the person signed 30 years ago. Exactly. Well, good to know. So for a progressive state, New York is paradoxically known to have some kind of regressive voting laws. I mean, it just seems like more like they've never been updated or kind of cumbersome. A lot of states have automatic voter registration, like when you get your driver's license for the first time. This is the first election, as you mentioned, where New York has early voting before this election, to get an absentee ballot, you had to have an excuse. And now with COVID, you can say temporary illness as your excuse. As proactively, you don't have to actually be sick with COVID. So if you could present a wish list to the New York State Legislature and say what you think needs to be fixed, what would be on it? 
Well, I think I'd like to see federal changes to the election law. I think that's more significant. And as you just mentioned, I'd like to see, number one, automatic voter registration. Someone turns 18, they're born in this country or they naturalize, they automatically register to vote. You shouldn't have to have voter registration campaigns. Secondly, it should be same-day registration. That's a state thing. We can easily do that. Same-day registration. Thirdly, which might not necessarily, you might not think of as a voter registration issue, but it's a voter rights issue, is that the elections should be a national holiday. We are the only industrialized country in the world, and maybe even non-industrialized, where the presidential especially is a working day. And I think basically this country makes it as difficult as possible for people to vote. And this probably goes back to the founding fathers. Why did you say that they should be at the federal level, like automatic voter registration? Aren't voting laws really at the crux of what lies in the state powers? Perhaps it is, but I don't think it's the best way to do it. I mean, after the 2000 election and the hanging Chad debacle, and everyone was talking about changes, it should have been a national mandate. This is what's going to happen. These are the machines that are going to be used. Right, standardized. Or at least give the states, these are the three machines which we approve. So it's not even a state rule. Every county can choose. We have different machines to Nassau County. We have different machines to New York City. So That's crazy. It's a whole ratatouille of different machines. <laughs> so we've talked about the fact that this is the first presidential election with early voting in New York State. What impact do you think we're going to see from this? I think that'd be huge because I think that there are a lot of people who wanted to vote by absentee ballot. And based on all the rhetoric and the reporting, I think people are scared. And I think people have decided that it's safer to vote by early voting, safer in terms of having their vote counted. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the ballots won't count. They will. The absentee ballots will count. Every ballot will be counted. But if people feel a little nervous about it, they're going to vote early. Now, I think people will still be worried about standing in lines to vote on election day. So that's why I think early voting is going to be huge. It's not going to be as busy. But once again, this gets back to my statement about election day should be a national holiday. You have two weekends where a lot of people won't be working. It'll be easier for them to go to the polls from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be like a huge difference. Republicans have been talking a lot about voter fraud, and plenty of reasonable people seem to think it's a problem. How would you respond to that? I'd love to know who the reasonable people are. I'm not going to mention any names. But people seem to think, people who get their news from different sources who are not necessarily unreasonable people, but it has to do with the news bubble you're living in. Is there anything that you guys do at the Board of Elections or at the Southampton Democratic Party to safeguard against that? There's no necessity to safeguard against it because voter fraud is a Republican fantasy. And there's been no evidence of voter fraud. If there is voter fraud, it's minuscule. It's 0.01%. And in fact, I did print something out from the Brennan Center for Justice. The 10 voter fraud lies debunked. It's huge. It's huge in terms of the fact that there is no voter fraud. People don't go into the polls pretending to be somebody else. And if they do, it's so close to zero. It's meaningless. Absentee ballots don't change that? Absolutely not. 
is once again, absentee ballots, you have to request an absentee ballot. And we talk about Suffolk County in York State. You've got to request an absentee ballot. So your voter registration is checked. If you're registered to vote, then absentee ballot is sent out. Now, the other states which automatically send ballots out and have been doing it for years. And once again, there's no evidence of voter fraud in those cases. It's a made-up story by the right wing. I just wanted to hear you say that. That's all. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> so other than the presidential race, what important races are taking place in Suffolk County? And maybe you can just talk for a minute about how those elected positions affect people's lives. First of all, we have congressional races throughout the county. The one that's very close to home, of course, is Congressional District 1, where Nancy Goroff is the candidate running against Lee Zeldin. And that used to be a, con a Democratic seat with Tim Bishop. Lee Zeldin has done absolutely nothing for this district, nothing at all. And Nancy has a very, very good shot of beating him. And she's doing a lot of work, and she's got a lot of people supporting her, and a lot of volunteers are going out there making calls for her. And of course, don't forget, Nancy, this is a different year. Normally, people will be out knocking on doors, talking to voters at their homes. We're not doing that. We're making phone calls. So that's the only thing that's happening. So Congress, obviously very important. We don't have a federal Senate race in our district. We do have a New York State Senate race, which is Ken Laval's old seat. And Ken was there for 30 years or more. And Laura Ahern is the candidate there. And of course, we do have control of the state Senate right now, but we shouldn't take anything for granted. So that's another thing. If it wasn't for the fact that we have a majority in the state Senate and the Assembly, we wouldn't have been able to pass these progressive voting laws that we see now. So it's really important. The Republicans have been much better in the long game. They've taken control of states, county legislators. They've appointed judges. They know that it's local government, which is the foundation for taking control of uh, state and federal government. And that's what they've done. And we only started doing that recently. Let's talk about the Southampton Town Democratic Committee, which you chair. What exactly does the group do? Very simplistically, our main function is to identify and select qualified and electable candidates for elected office, for the appointed boards in the town, and for our committee. People seem to lose sight of that fact. That is what our main role is. The party's role is to elect people to office. But the other thing that we do is we grow the party. As I mentioned to you, when I first arrived here, we were a minor party in the town. We didn't have elected officials on the town board. We were able to grow the party. We were able to persuade more people to register to vote out here as Democrats. We want to grow our tent. The more we can expand our party, the more people we have who are interested and excited and are energized about working for Democrats, both locally, in the county, in the town, and then nationally. It's all about bringing more and more people in, bringing in new blood, bringing in younger people, diversity, bringing in minorities, and bringing in new ideas. It's growing the party. And also, Nancy, I believe that success begets success. When people see that we have done such really good work, and we've done work for the environment, for water quality, for affordable housing, for safeguarding Shinnecock burial grounds, all sorts of things, we have a huge list of accomplishments by this town board. 
by this Democratic town board. And people see that and they like it. And people want to be with us. They want to join success. They want to be with an organization that's successful. So that's what happens. People register as Democrats and they want to get involved. And my role, and I'm always recruiting. I meet somebody and I say to them, well, are you registered to vote? Do you live in Southampton town? If you're not, why not? Get involved with the party. This is one of the things we do and we have to keep doing. Well, that's my next question. Why should people get involved in Southampton or otherwise with their local Democratic parties? I'll tell you why, once again, very simplistically, is, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, it's very important to take control of local governments. When you take control of local governments, you then have partners. You have a partner, you have people who are working for you as residents of the town. And when you are able to elect people who you know and get people into public office, you become energized. You as a volunteer, you as a voter, and therefore you can go to the next step. If we didn't have a supermajority in the town board, if we weren't the major party in the town, if we didn't have more than 3,000 registered voters compared to the Republicans, we wouldn't be able to get volunteers. People would be, well, you know, what's the point? There's a big point. We are one of the most successful committees in Suffolk County, and people know that and want to get involved. So it's easier to attract talents, to get people involved, and people you have to get involved locally. Some people lose sight of that. Some people say, well, we just support the national candidates. That is not the way to do it. You have to get involved locally, and you have to build up our local base in order to be a vehicle to then elect people to state, elect people to national office. That's the way it's done. Yeah, I think that's been the lesson of the last four years. One of the main lessons, at least for me, is learning the importance of state and local governments, officials, elected positions that I never paid any attention to in the past. And I think many other people have had the same revelations. And this is how you build a pipeline. And this is how you affect people's lives on the most basic level every single day in these positions. Absolutely. Well, Gordon Hare, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really enlightening. I think it will be interesting to people beyond Suffolk County, but definitely for people who live in Suffolk County, I think you'll have answered a lot of questions. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Nancy. I really appreciate you inviting me and good to meet you. And hopefully we will be able to see each other in person at some point in the near future. Let's out. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.